Hello. Um, I'm here today with a, a good pal, Anthony, Anthony Orem, who is an all-round good chap and a complete designer in the true sense, I would say, um, and always to the highest standard. So without further ado, it's lovely to be here today, Anthony, and how do you feel today? Hi, Gareth. Well, that was that was a very nice introduction. Thank you. Um, today, I I feel deeply tired, um, Gareth. Uh, the last 10 weeks, as we were just chatting about a minute ago, have been fairly tough. The dog had a hip, hip replacement and then fractured a femur. And so I've been, or me and Sue, have been living in the kitchen with the dog for 10 weeks with getting, well, me personally getting about three or four hours sleep a night. I'm not a very good sleeper at the best of times. Um, and when you're slightly on edge with the dog like and her movement, you're just always aware of everything going on around you. So I've sort of been in a heightened state of awareness for 10, 11 weeks, and I'm feeling it. Are you, are you able to do anything to try and um, help that? Because the lack of sleep thing I can completely relate to as you know i've got the hip problem as well and that means you don't sleep um and i do find myself napping actually i see that's what i need to do is take up napping um i don't know it's it's kind of i've struggled with sleep for 30 years and i go through periods where it's quite good and other periods where it's like now it's dreadful and it's 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 mainly turning my brain off like i can we can be sitting watching TV and I'm falling asleep in front of the TV. Literally cannot keep my eyes open. Get up, clean my teeth, get into bed. I'm wide awake. My brain starts off again. I'm writing notes. I'm leaving myself messages, sending myself emails. And then, then all of a sudden it's like one in the morning and I get up at five. So that's not the ideal situation to be in. Um, and, we, you know, we, I think we do everything right. I've been on several sleep courses i know what should work and i know what to do i'm just not very good at doing it and even when i do do it for a fixed amount of like say three weeks on the trot i still have trouble sleeping and i think it's i just have an overactive brain that's always sort of just chucking things at me as it were um and so if i don't write them down they can sit there sit there on loop for like hours on my end. So I just need to get them out. But yeah, it's it's tough, but you know, it's only sleeping it. I used to tell myself that, but <laughs> I realise it's not anymore. But the the relentless thinking thing I can relate to. Um I kind of know what you should do as well. Never did it learned more about it, but then got to a point where I had to, because otherwise the kind of bad habits that you try to turn things off, create their own problems. Um, and I guess the irony for me is now I have got to a point where I'm not keeping myself awake all the time with the thoughts, but I'm keeping myself awake now with the pain. <laughs> yeah. There's a complete irony to that, but that's fixable. So yeah. I'm optimistic about that. But um, yeah, but on a more serious note, uh, that thinking thing is, I think it's 
it's so common as well, isn't it? I mean, I talk to so many people who say exactly the same thing. The, yeah, I mean, yeah. what stops you doing the things that you think would help? In fact, they don't seem to work. Like even when I do everything right, it doesn't seem to work. And I think historically, I'd have probably used alcohol, um, because that's a really good way for me to get sleep, and I know that it doesn't give you good sleep. Yeah, but just sometimes you just want to get to sleep. Yeah, in my bag, I've got some sleeping pills from the doctor, and I haven't taken them because I don't really like taking pills. I've been on and off uh, head meds for years. And I just don't don't want to go down that path of doing everything all of the time just to find an easy solution because I don't think it's the right way to go about it. So I, I, I probably need to set up my life a bit differently, maybe even get up a bit later. <laughs> but I really like that quiet time of morning when no one's around and the world is still in bed. And so if you go to the forest at five in the morning, the only things you see are deers, and you know a barn owl or something and it's that to me is magical it's it's just not the same when there's you know hundreds of people tearing around it just doesn't quite it, it, i mean it's always still beautiful but i i like that that peace and quiet especially to start my day and that's again another thing at the moment i've not been doing that because because of the dog's operation and we used to go for an hour and a half to walk every morning and now i'm lucky if i get around the block in 15 minutes just to keep doing something uh, which isn't helped again by a foot injury so i'm not running at the moment mm. uh, running is a lifesaver in terms of my mental health and not being able to do that is yeah it's it's tough but i know what's wrong with my my foot and i'm doing everything i can to get it back as quickly as possible that thing about the morning and um being on your own in nature, do you find that that is more, I mean, I do this very similar thing. It's not the woods, it's the sea, but it's the mm -hmm. same thing. And I just feel part of it because no one else is around. And then that feeling part of it makes me feel like I'm actually there at that moment, which helps stop all of the worrying and the thinking. Does it, does it, does that sound familiar? Does it feel yeah, like it's that? Almost, it's almost like a meditation, isn't it? It's yeah, yeah. like, I don't listen to music. I don't listen to audio books. I'm literally walking with the dog. Yeah. Trying to focus on my breathing and just the smells and the sounds of the forest are just, yeah, a magical thing for me. I can almost smell them, Ant, as you're, as you're <laughs> saying it, honestly. I wish and, I could. Well, do you know the one thing, you know, what do I know, right? But one thing I've learned with myself is that busyness in the brain, I had to have less things to think about. Because I think all, all of the things that were on the go, your brain is, oh, I think my brain was constantly trying to project into the future about those things to make things easier in the future. I think that's what was probably going on, even though often those things never come to any eventuality and they're making the present unbearable, <laughs> yeah. which is the irony. So by reducing how many things I had to think about, um, it helped me no end with going to bed and being able to sleep and things. And it doesn't sound as if you've got that many things within your control at the moment because of the, you know, the kitchen and the, the not being able to get out and your bad foot. And I know work is 
tricky because we always talk we talked earlier about being self-employed and you know feast and famine and all that kind of thing but is there anything there in terms of having less things to think about or was that just impossible it's well, it's an interesting thing isn't it it's work has always been a big thing in my life I've got a really strong work ethic which I think my parents gave me that nobody nobody's responsibility to pay your bills other than yourself so I've never taken any benefits I've never had sick pay I've never done any of those things it's if you don't work you don't get paid but I also think that I I use it to fill my brain so I I make my living through graphic design but I also have various side projects and I do them because they're fun, but also if my mind's got nothing to keep it occupied, it can go to pretty dark places. Ah, right. So the more I have on, the better. Um, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's kind of like from a history point of view, like in terms of sort of depression and anxiety, it's something I've struggled with since I was 18. And I've just found that being busy helps me. Like if I've got nothing on, then I can spiral. So I fill my time, but I'm not going to fill it with things that I like doing. So, yeah. So ideal world then, foot is better, Luca's better, you're running, you're back to your routine and things are improving. Yeah, definitely. I'm a firm believer in routines as well. It's, it's something I only really started doing in the last few years. Probably was probably since Luca, because our old dog was properly lazy, whereas Luca needs a lot more exercise. So I do get up at five, and I so well, it's all year round. So I walk her in the mornings, in the winter, yeah. and pitch back with a head torch, and just so I can do it for long enough to tire her out a bit, give her what she needs, and then I can get back breakfast and be ready for work. Um, I'm generally working by 8am. So it's, if I don't keep that schedule, then yeah, things start to slip. And so I just, yeah. I, know, I just feel that, I know again, yeah, we were talking about it a minute ago, like I did, I kind of have my life set up the way I want it to be as in, uh, from a design point of view, I can control my time. And I think that I couldn't work in a company. But I also think that clients control my time, but I can get up and leave anytime I want. And I, so I have that freedom, which is really important to me. Um, although sometimes it doesn't feel like freedom. Do, do you have long-term clients as well? Because if they're short-term, I, you know, it's just short term as well, isn't it? Whereas a job is indefinite often. Yeah. Well, yeah, most of my jobs are quite relatively small. I do some longer projects, which can take a month. But yeah, it's literally a day here, day there, or um, working on much smaller projects. But, but with clients that I've worked with, like some of my clients I've worked with for 20 years. So they're the kind of clients you want to get. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's testament how happy they must be with what you do as well, that they've come back for 20 years, isn't it? That's great. I hope so. <laughs> what um, is there a particular type of work that you would favour? No, not really. Um, I was 
in fact, I was doing a course yesterday and it was talking about how you should niche in the design world. And I never have. I think over the span of my career, it's changed a lot from like doing a lot more digital stuff and the dot com boom, as it were. But more and more these days, I do visual identities for people. And it wasn't a conscious decision in any way. It's not something that I planned for. It just seems to be the kind of work I get. Um, and it's I really enjoy it. So that's a bonus. Um, but I take on, yeah, if the project's interesting, I, I will do it. And that could be as simple as a one-off logo, could it? Or it could be something which then develops into campaigns in the future or anything else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it can be really small to, yeah, just doing a logo for somebody who's just starting out or for a business that's been around for 20 years. It's it's a real mixture of different clients. And I really like working with smaller companies and startups, um, although they don't pay as well. But it's it's fun helping people, right? It's yeah. I feel like I can level the playing field a bit for oh, cool. them to be able yeah. to get good design at a good rate and, and get their business going, their dreams. I think often as well, that's like a seed anyway, isn't it? Because as people succeed, I don't think people forget that. Hopefully. <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't know why I'm thinking of this. Um, I was thinking of your work and I like a lot of it. And I bought one of your posters for a friend as a, as a, as a, um, just a present because he runs the Erie Snowden Marathon every oh, year. Yeah. And I loved your, your three peaks posters. And obviously that comes from your own interest as well, doesn't it? But how do you find, you know, you do your own projects, you do a lot of your own projects. And I, I like the messages behind some of them. I've got one in my own office, which I was taught at the age of 21. <laughs> but, you know, we, what, what itch do you scratch when you're doing your own work? I think it's just, it's not having a client. Like, it's complete freedom, isn't it? It's with a client, you're, it's, it's really nice to help fulfill their dream, but it is their dream. And so I, I really enjoy that freedom to just go, what do I want to do today? Um, so if I've got no client work on, I hate marketing myself. I'm not not comfortable with talking about myself in any sort of positive light. So rather than do marketing, I do other bits of work. Um, and what's fortunate with that is doing that work gets me work. So it's kind of it's kind of marketing, but in a way that I enjoy, which is the best yeah. kind of marketing. No, it's very good. Um, it's not lost on me, the irony that I talk about myself now and I hate it. <laughs> See, I, I think it's a good, good skill to be able to have. It's, it's just, I don't know, I, it's, maybe it's an anxiety thing. It comes back to that, doesn't it? It's, I, I just freeze. Like I'm not comfortable with compliments or, or, or discussing myself in any way. Um, yeah, it's, but I, I need to get better. I think it's good that you do. Well, what I've learned, you know, I've only done it for 18 months, say, and it's never from the point of view as if I know anything, because all you know is yourself, really, and you learn things as you go along. But the tipping point or the change in my attitude came from 
a couple of people telling me something was helpful that I'd said. Mm. And prior to that, I told you I was going to Frazzle Cafe and just listening to people there tell their own stories in private, but to a hundred other people at the same time. And without any advice or anything coming back the other way, it just helped. And I still go to Frazzle now to still talk about what's happening day to day. And it's because I've come out the other end and it sometimes offers a little bit of hope. And I used to get that from other people in the meeting as well sometimes, or even just a sense of not feeling so alone. So um, I think that's that's my only motivation, really, is that if it helps somebody, it's worth doing it. And it doesn't have to be mental health either. It can be any experience. Um, so I'm still uncomfortable with it, but comfortable-ish. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm sure you could relate to that, Ant. Yeah, because, definitely. It's, it's, you know, it's one of those weird things. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a, a two ears, one mouth person. I, I definitely listen more than I talk. Um, and I, I sometimes think I should talk more about mental health because I, I feel like I, I've got a, a, you know, a, a gold medal from the Olympics in, in dealing with mental health. Um, but I've just never felt that comfortable talking about it. So I'm, I, I really like to be able to support people more. And things like my Punk Rock Run Club brand, I, I don't really make any money from that. All of the profits get given to mental health charities, and that's my way of doing things. Because um, I, I, I'm i a bit similar in like, so talking, I've been in and out of therapy since I was a teenager as well. And it, I'm not a fan of it anymore because of the fact that I just go around in circles. So you have a therapist, you tell them your problems, and the, the weight feels lighter, but it never solved anything for me. And having gone through that process so many times, and like, so you kind of like hit rock bottom, you know, you're drinking too much. You need to talk to somebody. And so you reach out and, and the NHS is not good with mental health. So you end up paying for it. Um, but just find that I'm, I'm repeating myself to just, but just to different people. And what, but what really did help me was EMDR therapy, which isn't necessarily a talking therapy, but it's about reprocessing your your brain essentially, so that it can deal with um, the things it's got to deal with. So for me, that's trauma um, from something that happened when I was eighteen, and I kind of spiraled out of control at that age and drank way too much but the drinking to me was both the best friend and worst enemy it kind of protected me mentally because it allowed me to switch off but then the downside of that was that I didn't process any of the stuff that I needed to process and so it's been a long long journey of being on and off meds, seeing therapists, um, exercise has probably been the thing that saved me. You know, when I lived in London, uh, I had a panic attack on a tube um, and never got on a tube again. And so took up cycling and cycled to work every day and then got into mountain biking. And mountain biking just became my life. I absolutely loved it. Um, and these days it's running. But those that kind of escape from reality... I, it's something I think everyone should do. 
you know as well as you know talking therapies if that's what you need then you should definitely do it but for me it's being outside in nature that gives me the help i need um but yeah emdr therapy is something everyone should look into if they're struggling with ptsd or trauma um i think i've been reading a lot more about trauma recently as well and about addiction problems because you went through trauma and how your body holds that trauma and i think i did for a long time and i think for like sort of 15 20 years i was really bad and then in the last sort of 10 years i've started to come out of it and every year i feel a bit better um but it's a long road and there hasn't been a quick fix for me at all um yeah that um well thanks for sharing that and and you've just helped me a lot <laughs> i can tell you seriously and hopefully anyone else who's listening to that so thank you very much for being so open um and I do think it's horses for courses, isn't it? It's different things for different people. But yeah, I don't feel everyone. Yeah, there's there's no universal right or wrong in any of this, is there? And no, every, you've got to, you've got to find what works for you. I spend exactly trying every alternative therapy, like therapy, Bowen technique, metamorph metamorphosis technique, like float tanks, acupuncture. None of it worked for me. And it was literally getting back outdoors and and the MDR that's that's worked. Yeah, um, but I think you, you sometimes you need that time to to sit with it, um, and find what will work. Because yeah, you say everyone's different. Um, I've been doing a lot of work on mindset recently as well, because I think yeah. part of my battle with mental health is I'll never get the answers that I need to feel happy as it were like there's no way of solving it so if you can't solve it what do you do and for me that alternative has been or it was very nearly uh you know taking my own life but that doesn't solve it either does it (laughs) it's kind of uh kind of permanent thing um and I want to get back to that person that I knew when I was younger. And I, I, I get glimpses of him and he's still there. Yeah. But I've got to put in the work to, to, to get him back out 100%. It's like peeling an onion, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It really is. Yeah. There's also well, lots of tears. <laughs> and it's bloody hard work, isn't it? And it's relentless. and it goes on forever, it seems, sometimes. But then you do get those glimpses, don't you? And yeah, I think like a, it is a life. It is a life's work. I think like life is hard, really hard at times. And I think, well, I, I definitely tried to find the easy solution, and drinking was the easy solution because then I didn't have to think. Yeah. And now, I mean, I, I still drink, but I wouldn't say that I'm a drinker. If that makes sense. I'll drink. I'll, you know, I'll have a pint down the pub or a glass of wine at home. Whereas twenty years ago, it'd be two bowls of wine a night just to switch off. Um, that's progress. It's taken a while, but <laughs> isn't it? But when you said about the tube, how mad that the reaction to what happened on the tube was going on your bike, and that was the start of that getting outdoors and doing all that kind of thing. How how great is that? That oh, it's by accident. Yeah, and as a kid, I spent all my time outdoors. You know, we, we're kids of the seventies and eighties, aren't we? Yeah, we didn't have computer games. No. 
And I think I always found, or I was always always the most happy outside doing something, playing around, yeah. running, riding bikes, jumping out of trees. And I'm just trying to find that again. I think that's yeah. like all of the sports I do. I don't do road cycling or or road running. It's all playing in the woods. It's all or up mountains. Yeah. Because that, I think, sparks that child in me, that that getting muddy, that falling over in the mud is is priceless. And you lose track of, I, I understand entirely what you're saying, and I'm noticing the same in me, right? Much less um, active version of it, <laughs> <laughs> but it's very similar. And I might have said this on you before, but I don't buy many things, but... Um, in the last four or five months, I've bought two things, and that's probably more than I've bought in the last four or five years. And one was a, a pair of binoculars, a decent pair of binoculars, yeah. And the other was a tidy guitar. Um, and they were both. You, sorry, you of, said a tidy guitar or a tiny? Yeah, decent, a, <laughs> a tiny one, <laughs> no, a tidy one, <laughs> a decent one. Okay. And, um, <laughs> it was. It wasn't from too far away from you. It was in Bath and it was a complete off the cuff sort of thing, even though I'd been thinking about it for 20 years mm. and at a guitar when I was 16, not very good one. Um, I think it was fourth or fifth hand then. And uh, I just thought, oh, and the funny thing is it is about going back to the things I really enjoyed as a youngster. And this thing, I sit on the rock, I look at birds, and the binoculars are the best. Honestly, I, I could just sit there all day just looking out at sea. And you do, you sort of, I think that gravitating back to when you were a kid, it's like, it's, I almost feel like I've lost my way and now I'm getting back on track. Yeah. It sounds a bit weird, but, and I love the garden. I used to love being in the garden and outdoors and the woods. I know, definitely, when I'm fixed, I'll be in the woods again. Yeah. And it's all part and parcel of the same thing. I think, well, you know, when you're young, life's pretty carefree, generally yeah. speaking. I know not everyone has a carefree childhood, but you got to, to play around, didn't you? You know, it was, there, there wasn't mortgages and council bill, council rate bills to pay. And it was literally, how can you fill your day having the most fun possible? Yeah. And that's where I want to be now, uh, as much totally. as work allows. <laughs> No, absolutely. And you weren't projecting into the future all the time. It was literally no. day by day. No, it was, it was, again, it's one of those, like, I turned 50 this year, and when I was a teenager, I wanted to be a mountain leader. Um, and life didn't quite work out that way. But I've told myself that that's before I die, I will get my mountain leader qualification, even if I never use it. That's not the important thing. The important thing is it's a dream that I had. Yeah. And I can make it happen. Were you ever, I was in YOC when I was a kid and it was great because the bloke that took us was a, a mountain rescue guy in Brecon. And because of that, our YOC club was a little bit different to others. And we used to go out on the weekends in a minibus and, you know, all real cross section of the kids. And it was the best. We would dress up in boots, you know, outfits, hide in the woods. And it, it was fantastic because we had his perspective on the outdoors. It wasn't just about bird watching. Um, have you, did you ever get into that as a kid as well? It's, it's really interesting. I, I didn't, but we had this guy in our village, um, a guy called John Welland, and he, he lived at home with his mum, and he must have been in his 50s. 
and he was slightly deaf and autistic, but he really liked helping people. And so he had two Land Rovers, two sailing boats, abseiling and climbing gear, and he'd get a few of the parents together, all of the local kids, and we'd go away for weekends away, free. He didn't never charge anything. And it was just amazing. It was just so good. And there needs to be more people like that in the world. I think. Yeah, it's inspiring. And you also feel with somebody who's competent and knows what they do, and you feel safe as well, don't you, in places you wouldn't otherwise? Well, I don't know. Health and safety wasn't a concern in those days. <laughs> We, I've, I've I saw some pictures recently of us abseiling down this rock face. Didn't have helmets on or anything like that. No? <laughs> okay, I take it back. <laughs> You're lucky to be here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, it's been great chatting, Ant. Really, really uplifting, actually, even though, Pleasure. you know, we talked about um, not-so-uplifting topics a little bit. Uh, is there anything you'd like to sort of leave us with? This is where I try and say something really profound. Um, I'm not sure I've got anything profound, but I the only thing I'd say is don't give up. Give yourself time and space because well, it does get better. Whatever you're going through, tomorrow is going to be better than today, and the day after that is going to be better, and you'll find your way. I second and third that, and honestly. And when you said you haven't got, you know, in terms of talking about yourself and that. Genuinely, you, you've really helped me today, so thanks. Well, that's good news. Yeah. Brill. Well, it's been lovely. Thank you very much. I'll see you soon. Bye. Eat you soon, Gareth. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye.